0: We upload a new speaker every day, and it's easy to subscribe by searching for NAPOD, N-A-P-O-D, all one word, on any podcast player app, or go to napod.xyz if you'd like to listen online. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and have a great day.
1: Right, we're on step five tonight, and with that, um, tonight's speaker is Ari from Oaks East in Cedar Knolls, and I'll bring up Ari. The short people modification. (laughs) Good evening, everybody. My name is Ari, and I'm an alcoholic. And it's only through the grace of a loving God, strong sponsorship, the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, and uh, service in this program that I haven't found it necessary to take a drink since April 9th of the year 2000. And for that, I am really, really, really grateful, and so is everybody else. (laughs) Um, to briefly qualify, I asked my sponsor, who spoke here a few weeks ago for Step 3. I said, should I qualify? Because I've never spoken at a workshop before, so I'm really, really nervous. Um, this thing is really overwhelming. <laughs> um, I said, do I qualify? She said, yeah. She said, and then she told a little story about what she said. And then I said, oh, God, I never did that. I must not be an alcoholic. So... <laughs> Just to prove to you that I'm an alcoholic after 11 in a little bit, um, I still have, you know, delusion about my own disease. I still have, you know, the disease working in my mind. Um, I believe that I was born an alcoholic. I, I did, had the ism before I had a drink, and when I had the drink, you know, it didn't make my disease worse. It just kept me from not killing myself until, you know, I found the Rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. I uh, I loved the way that alcohol turned my brain off and I love the way they gave me all the promises all the all the nine-step promises and a lot of all the other promises like I was thinking about how you know first alcohol gave me the third step promises like you know new, a new feeling of freedom and power and rushed in oh yeah it did and and then you know all the other promises um, it never gave me the ten-step promises though oddly I did not stop fighting anything or anyone. I actually kind of fought a lot more. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely an alcoholic, and um, I am I, not an alcoholic who can say that I came to AA and I stopped drinking and everything was better. Um, I came to AA, I stopped drinking, and I found out just how sick I really was. Um, and the longer I stayed stopped uh, without doing the work in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, the sicker I became, the more unhappy I became, um, and uh, you know, I, I didn't come here one time. Unfortunately, I came here a number of times, and I'm um, speaking tonight on the fifth step. And um, it's funny; I, I never thought my first time around in AA that I actually did anything that had anything to do with the steps. I was 20 years old, and I was in a a treatment facility where we, you know, worked steps with our, you know, groups and our counselors, and, and I really thought that doing a fourth step and a fifth step was where I get to tell you all about how much I had been wronged at that point by my mom. And, you know, if you had my mom, you would drink too. And, which seems to be a recurring theme in my life. I just went on vacation with my parents, who are now in their 70s, and I'm only sober long enough to go away with them for five days, not seven. <laughs> so check back with me in like five more years. Maybe we can do a whole week. Apparently, it's not happening as quickly as I thought it was, or I'm not working hard enough. I don't know. Um, and, and and my ex- expectations of a fourth step, and, and, and subsequently the fifth step that came after it, were that I'm going to tell you all this stuff that was done to me, and then you're going to tell me it's not my fault. That was my expectation. This is not that I was doing them out of the book. I was doing one of those Hazelden guides. It was not a proper fifth step. It was not a proper fourth step leading to a proper fifth step. It was was my really juvenile and immature expectations, and and it was not – I didn't get – you know, the promises that are promised after, you know, a proper fifth step because there wasn't – I didn't do the work. I didn't do the preceding work, and I didn't get the result, which was shocking, I know. Um, My – I I continued to to stay dry in AA for almost four years after that. And uh, oddly, I still was really ruled by – being dependent on other people, and, and that's, it was really, you know, the, it, most of my, looking back at, at my drinking career, and my not drinking career, but my prior to working the steps, my life prior to, when I say working the steps, I mean really working the steps, doing it out of the big book, doing it the way that, you know, it was written, um, the things that characterized my life and caused me incredible pain and discomfort and unhappiness, and were the things that made me uncomfortable enough to need to take a drink uh to want to take a drink to have to take a drink or to act out in some other way if that's what wasn't what was available to me was that you know my entire life was based on needing you to love me because uh, I hated myself and Um, having no like just opening my mouth and God knows what was going to come out and having no control over what that was going to be and getting myself into situations because I opened my mouth and had no control over what was going to come out that were sometimes you know humorous and sometimes horrible and You know, my grandmother, may she rest in peace, used to say that words are like birds and once they fly out of your mouth, you can very rarely catch them. And, um, you know, it's funny, all the the great sages of the world from, you know, the Psalms to Buddha have a lot of cautions about the things that we say and the way that we use our words because they're so hurtful to people. And, uh, you know, fear and... um, and the need to control situations has led me to say things so hurtful, you know, to the people that I love them. Not to not to strangers. I'm not somebody who's going to yell out my car window to somebody in the street. I will do it with the windows closed. I'm not somebody who's going to start a fight over a parking space, you know. But, but, I mean, to somebody that I love, to a family member, to a friend, out of fear and, and out of, you know, mostly fear. It's really just all fear. I've said things that are so hurtful without even knowing that I was saying it. And then, and in the end, what happens, you know, our fellows step on our toes and we're asking ourselves why, and why does this relationship go wrong? And it's because, you know, I'm reacting. And, And we talk about the fifth step, you know, responding versus reacting. And before we do a proper fifth step, we're still reacting. So in the part of my life where I was still reacting, I was reacting all over the place. And uh, up until the time I was probably about 31 years old, every decision I made was a reaction. I got married. It was a reaction to the idea that I never thought that anyone would ever ask me, so I married a jerk. You know, I I did. I, I, I said yes because he asked. You know, I was reacting to an old idea. I, you know, I had a child because I thought I had to have this child, and I, I just, I everything I did was just a reaction. I backed into my life. I backed into my life. That's what I used to say, and it's so funny because I'm a really bad backwards driver. I had to have my friend that came with me tonight park the car because I'm a, I can't. I'm a good parallel parker, but I, I just am not a good backwards driver. And and it's it's kind of a funny little, you know, contextual thing that, you know, in my life I wasn't a very good backwards driver because I was backing into every decision, you know. It wasn't that I was, you know, considering and and contemplating, asking for guidance and making a clear decision the way that I do today. It was I I was presented with the um, outcome of my bad decisions and I would have to back into wherever I was left to stand, and that's what I did. So um, I, everybody's business was my business. If your grandmother's cat died, I would, you know, sit shiva. <laughs> um, I, you know, everybody's business was my business. I, um, I was so over emotional about things that had nothing to do with me, and, and it wasn't even fake. It was like real. I mean, I was not. I'm not someone who can cry on command. You know, but I would, my heart would break over things that really had nothing to do with me because I was so invested in, in what was outside, you know, and so shut off to what was inside. I didn't want to look inside. Inside was terrifying. It was a cesspool, and it was terrifying, and I wanted nothing to do with it. And, um, and from a very young age, and this is how I know I was born alcoholic, I really believed that everything was wrong. Everything that went wrong was my fault. And I was constantly trying to evade blame. And that's not because I was, like, beaten as a child. That's because I have a huge alcoholic ego, like the biggest one they make. I mean, I'm sure you all have matching alcoholic egos because I'm not going to have the biggest ego in a room of egos. I think we're all equally alcoholic. But I I don't know. I, and I never talked – you know, I never – brought it out in the light either. I never talked about it. I remember my mom developed an ulcer as a a pretty young kid because of, you know, the stuff that she went through growing up. My parents are both Holocaust survivors and my mom had to go to the hospital for a, um, I guess, some sort of a surgery that had to do with her ulcer. And I remember I had to be less than seven years old because we still lived in the house we lived in until I was seven years old. And I remember sitting on the front steps. They were slate, and it was warm. It was like summertime. And I was sitting there, and I was thinking, it's my fault. My mother's ulcer, like this This is my fault, and feeling the weight, like the full weight of that and how it was my fault. And then, like, and and I'm not sure what I did with it. I probably, you know, used it for – Self-pity that I probably got my grandmother to feel sorry for me and make me something good to eat. I'm not really sure what I did with it, but I knew for a fact. It was not something that I was like, maybe it's my fault. I knew. I was sure. And, and then there were things that I was sure were your fault. And, and there was no, like, gray area, like it's 50% you, 50% me. So I was a blamer, you know, there could never be things that just happened, like it couldn't just be raining, and it couldn't just be that you accidentally bumped into me, it couldn't be that you accidentally broke my favorite toy, or that you didn't know that I really liked that boy and that you talked to him at the dance. It's you intentionally wanted to hurt me, and and everybody was like that, whether you knew me personally or not. And And so I began my long and illustrious career as a professional victim, um... And it was exhausting. And, um, you know, so that was life before the fifth step. And, um, and my, my whole, before a proper fifth step. And, and so everything I did and everything I felt and everything I experienced was connected to, you know, they talk about the tail wagging the dog. It was like you all were the dog. Like the whole world was the dog. And, and my whole life was a, was the tail. And you guys, everything you did, every person I saw, every person I met, every interaction I had was the way that I experienced myself. So if I had a negative experience, an uncomfortable experience, any kind of experience that wasn't like, Ari, we love you. Ari, we think you're fantastic, beautiful, hot, sexy, great, smart, You belong at Harvard or Stanford or on the cover of Cosmo. It wasn't good enough, and I wasn't good enough, and let me have a drink. And that's how it was. That's what it felt like to be me before I did a proper fifth step. God forbid you should have a right to feel something of your own, because everything you felt, everything you did, everything that you, like, considered, you know, if you crossed the street, it was about me. It Really, it was tough, the entire world, you know, and, and... Of course, all of this, you know, connects back to, you know, selfishness and self-centeredness, and that is the root of all our problems. But, you know, the way that this plays out in my life and in our lives, I think, as alcoholics, is the way that it connects to, you know, our perception and our behavior. And the way it changed after my first fifth step was the way that I could look at something new and know that it wasn't about me and have the experience to see that it was a reaction, you know, that I was having not to your action but to my fear. So hang on. Let me take a sip of my tea. And I think that the most amazing thing is that I really thought I was the only person who ever felt like that. Like no one else felt like that. And I was really tremendously shocked to find out that someone else felt like that and um, I thought that you know maybe there was one other person who felt like that maybe two and um, you know as I, I first began to experience Alcoholics Anonymous that first time around when I was 20 I was very young 20 is is young if you're young and you're here you know congratulations don't screw it up it's a gift or you know, God has a plan for you and you can do it the easy way and you can do it the hard way, but, you know, I did it the hard way. I, um, you know, at 20, I uh, I wasn't hearing, I, I'm not saying it wasn't available, I was not hearing the message of the big book. I was hearing, you know, it's a selfish program and I made the most of that. Um, and, you know, I uh, I didn't get to experience doing the work through the big book. At that point, I had to go out and drink again and get to the point where, you know, my reactions, you know, got to the point where I drove everyone out of my life. There was almost no one left in my life that wasn't related to me, you know, or contracted by law or medical insurance that would talk to me. I had a couple of friends um, who said, you know, we love you, but we won't talk to you until you have at least two years sober. And one friend who said, I will only talk to you if you're doing what your sponsor tells you to do. And he was really a, he was a pain in my butt. Um, it was pretty amazing. And, um, and I was lucky this last time around that, well, it wasn't the last time around, I guess. It was the second to last time around, technically, because um, I was so, you know, reacting Still reacting. Um, when I finally got to a proper fifth step, well, I have to say that writing that fourth step, an honest fourth step, was um, it was gut clenching for me. Like I felt sick, all physically ill for like months. And when I finally got to do the fifth step, I was expecting to feel differently. Like I still was expecting the pat on the back and it's okay, it's not your fault. And I don't know why, because I had read the big book and I had been to big book workshops and I had gone to big book, like serious big book meetings. And I don't know why I kept thinking somebody was going to let me off the hook. Because I still didn't get the point. And um, here's the point what I think is the point of the fifth step the point of the fifth step. Well, one of the major points of the fifth step for me is empowerment. It's, 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 you know, I was walking through life with a blindfold on, banging into people and walls and trees and rocks and getting banged up because I didn't know how not to. And seeing myself as I really was, the patterns of my behavior, my wrong perceptions, my, you know, really inappropriate dependencies on on people and on other people's opinions, my inappropriate, you know, emotional outbursts, my like need to be all up in other people's business when I could barely manage my own, my blaming when it's just a possibility that maybe like God has a plan and I should just step back and let it unfold. You know, that was my power. You know, when I'm not blaming and I'm not depending and I'm just being in this very moment in the two little places where my feet stand right now, there, you don't have any power over me and I don't have any power over you. We're just in the same room breathing the same air and the lungs that God gave us and, and I have as much power as you to, to do whatever I can in this moment with my life. This is my power, you know. This is, all the, this is all the power that God, God is ever going to give me is in this moment. And if I'm living, you know, reacting to whatever happened ten minutes ago or, or you know, fearing whatever isn't going to happen ten minutes from now, then, you know, I've lost the lesson of the fifth step. And, and so for me, this was the key, understanding that I spent my whole life wanting to people wanting people to you know behave a w- certain way for me or react a certain way for me and do what i need them to do to to feed my ego and you know quell my fear and because of that i missed this i missed this moment and the fifth step gave me the power to respond to this moment just to be in this moment and it is the greatest gift i ever got i mean The first, second, and third step are, you know, great ideas. They give you, you know, they give you the the foundation to do the fourth step and then the fifth step, which gave me this great gift. And then, you know, the things that I take from the fifth step, you know, are this empowerment, this, 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 I don't have to look at the world this way anymore. I don't have to look at myself in relation to the world this way anymore, which is amazing. Um... The application of what I learn in the fifth step, obviously, is, you know, tempered through the use of the sixth and the seventh step, which you'll hear in the next two weeks. I mean, I can find out that I'm needy and, you know, I have a big mouth and I'm nosy into other people's business and I blame and I can do nothing with that stuff. Or I can stop and, you know, like they always say in those goofy, you know, Therapy type situations, awareness is the first step. And the fifth step is where I initially became aware of the things that I really did that sh- were shooting myself in the foot every single time. Um, you know, today, that first fifth step was painful when I thought about all the relationships I destroyed, you know, because I kept doing... It's so funny now. I, I My fifth steps are... My my resentment lists are mostly all, the, it's the same person, it's all, not the same person, it's like a shorter list of people and it's all the same resentment. They're just not behaving the way that I think they should. Is that, is that about right? Yeah, that's about right. And, you know, my defect is, my sponsor's here, so I'm just checking to make sure I'm not lying. And you tell me if I'm not telling the truth, Rose. And... And my defect is usually has to do with judgment and controlling, which, you know, because it's based on fear that things aren't going to be the way I want. And, you know, because I'm not, it says in our literature, going to be rendered white as snow, but I'm free and clear of the delusion that my way is going to work. So I keep going back and I keep looking at it and I keep looking for new ways to respond. And that is the gift, you know, rather than. Trying to open up a, you know, like a some sort of like a, a dialogue based on the same old ground, going over it over, over it, and over it. Um, I think one of the other gifts of the fifth step has been the ability to have the ten-second delay. Sometimes, sometimes I have, except for with my mom, and sometimes my fifteen-year-old daughter. The 10-second delay. You know when you're about to say something that is really going to stink and you're going to have to make amends for it later? The 10-second delay is is one of the greatest gifts of sobriety. First, I got the 10-second delay when I was thinking about a drink. Early on, it was, I want a drink. And then I would have the 10 seconds that I need that, that God would grace me with where I would then be able to take a deep breath and pick up the phone and call another alcoholic. Or take a deep breath and say, okay, there's a meeting in 20 minutes. Let me go there. Um, Or take a deep breath and ask God to remove the obsession. Now I have a 10-second delay before I open my mouth and say something or do something that is a reaction and not a response. Um, And it's so funny because this concept of response versus reaction is something that is talked about in the great halls of business, you know, if you go take a higher level management seminar and they're talking about how to deal with employees or, you know, people that are your lateral, you know, um, why can't I think of that word right now? People that are on the same level as you, people above you, people that are your direct reports or whatever sales people, people that you are trying to sell to, they talk about responding versus reacting. And the people that have great success in business and great success in life, they're people that respond. People that go off, that react, not so successful. And I wondered my whole life, why was I not getting anywhere in my career? (laughs) Oddly, in the last eight years, I've had a reasonable amount of success in my job. And uh, I I just, I can't figure it out, Uh, must be, because that was around the time I started really getting some traction when I was doing work in my fifth step. The first two were really just digging out the sewage. And and since then, it's been a little bit more serious. Not that I wasn't serious at first, but it took me the first two out of the book just to get all the, the gunk out. And then it was time to talk about the stuff that, you know, Um, that Bill talked about in that emotional sobriety letter The Next Frontier somebody sent me this this week and I read it years ago Um, but I I read it again this weekend and and I, I remember seeing people who had many years of sobriety when I was new in sobriety and thinking is that really what 30 years of sobriety looks like? cranky and miserable and Grouchy and unhappy. I'm not drinking. And 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 then thank God I met people, you know, who had a different solution. Um it says in in the big book about the fifth step, which I had marked and then took my pages out, and now I have to look it up, so give me a second. Da, da, da. It talks about the people that we tell our fifth step to. And how we, um, you know, how we, how we share our fifth step. And and I tried to, you know, latch on to who I was going to do my, my fifth step to. And that was really interesting in the beginning. But now I think I would do a fifth step with anybody, you know, like if, if I, I mean, obviously my preference is doing it with my sponsor, but if I, you know, in the short term, if I had a resentment and, and it was burning and I took it across the columns and I needed to get it out and I couldn't get my sponsor, I'd I'd call a sponsee sister or one of my the other women in my line. And, and you know, the only person I wouldn't, you know, fit a resentment with is my husband, who's also in the program, because that's just not a good policy. And I, um. because the only, you know, one of the things that I can definitely say is that um, delaying a fifth step which I actually did delay my last fifth step for a really really long time for reasons that I don't truly understand but it just seemed to be it's not that so much that I wanted to delay it at the end it just seemed to be like what God's path was for me um, made me even more willing to um, to look deeper but generally delaying is not a good idea so don't delay if you can't you know, have it with the person you wanted to have it with and pick someone else and get it done. Um, despite being able to look so clearly at all of my faults and, and defects and perspectives and, you know, reactions and responses, I am not yet perfect. I know you're shocked. Me too. I'm, I, no one's more surprised than me. And, um, hush over there that's my cheering section the ones who have known me the longest and um, you know just this week I I got into a really deep place of fear with uh, something with my daughter and I reacted really badly and I had to do inventory not like 10 step inventory but write it all the way out across the columns and I had to make amends to her uh... because of it and um, you know it was humbling you know and, and the importance of you know and i am certainly not you know judging anyone's program and there is you know there's the, it says earlier in our literature and we agnostics that the you know the realm of the spirit is broad and roomy and and i certainly subscribe to that but you know, I think that doing a real fifth step, you know, writing out a fourth and doing a fifth step rather than living in 10, 11, and 12, which is wonderful, but not thorough enough for this alcoholic because I just can – I can gloss over stuff too easily, I think, if I don't do written inventory, you know, more regularly, which – yes, I'm on it. I'm on it, Rose. Um, so, uh I, I don't know. I, I think that there's there's things that we lose track of, and things that we don't even that I don't even know that I'm I'm holding in that I'm holding in. Um, and the way that I, I get to see that is I, I watch my behavior. You know, am I sliding back into reaction? You know, if I look at if I'm if I'm looking in my in my nightly inventory, you know, and I'm seeing I'm reacting to people, or I'm living in fear, or I'm starting to you know place blame or I'm having mood swings or any of those things on page 52, you know, or starting to crop up in my life, then maybe, and I'm, you know, doing all the things I normally do, then it might be time again for me to, you know, grab my power back by, you know, writing out the inventory and doing the fifth step. Um, You know, the principle of, is, of the fifth step is, is really bringing, it's having enough integrity to say, you know, I'm and being humble enough to say, it all looks good on the outside, but here's really where I'm at. You know, this is really where I am. And where I am is that, you know, I'm still crazy enough or sick enough or alcoholic enough to get really fearful about certain areas of my life. And as a result, I act badly. You know, it, it almost killed me have to have to tell my sponsor what I said to my daughter. It was horrorf- what I said to her was terrible it was terrible because I was I was afraid I wanted to control the situation I said something so awful that I had nightmares about it for like three days and and it wasn't that bad I mean it was bad but it, it wasn't like I said you should go die and jump off a cliff like it was just something that I wished that I hadn't said and it was something that if someone had said it to me at 15 in that situation it would have been really hurtful and um but I knew that it wasn't enough for me to admit it to myself. You know, the fifth step is, you know, admitting to God and to myself and to another human being the exact nature of my wrongs. And so I admitted it to God and I admit it to myself. But it, I couldn't stop there. You know, it wasn't enough. I had to admit to another human being. And now I admitted it to you. That's a lot of human beings, which doesn't get me any extra credit because I didn't tell you you the exact nature of my wrongs. So it doesn't matter. Not a fifth step in here. Um, I I guess, you know, the power of admitting the exact nature of my wrongs is that um, they have no power left over me. You know, we spit it out and it feels like it's, you know, going to be this big, horrible, venomous thing that comes out of you and it's just not that big. I mean, it it seems really big in my head when I'm, I'm thinking I did the most horrible thing in the world. And, you know, it, it's not the most horrible thing in the world. It just isn't the thing that you want to do. And um, and it seems they're all intertwined, all these reaction behaviors, you know, because when I act out of fear and I'm looking to control, um, you know, I I I start getting on edge and I start looking for ways to you know, get into that blame game again, you know, where I start, I, I get, I just fall right back into that place where all of a sudden, I don't know what it is, it's 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 that instant, what do you mean? I didn't say that. Don't blame me. And then I start getting into other people's business because I'm going to blame them. And it, it's like an instant rewind to shutting God out, you know, because all of a sudden there's something that I'm holding in. So, I um, I think that that the use of of step five in its in either of its forms, you know, whether you're doing a full you know inventory or a quick fist step where you're writing on the back of a cocktail napkin or a you know piece of paper on your desk and you're calling your sponsor at lunchtime, you know, what it, whichever way you do it, it's useful. Um, It's an amazing thing not to be connected to the mood swings of others, which is why I made it five days on vacation with my mother without acting badly. Um, The last two days um, I lost my way because I let myself get off balance. And I got off balance because I forgot that I was alcoholic for a minute and you're saying, okay, you're supposed to be teaching about the fifth step, but this is about the fifth step. See, what happened was I took this moment and I didn't do what it says. It says we pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. Pride is the number one, number one thing that will keep me from living in a place where I can work a perfect step five. Well, you don't have to work a perfect step five, but you can come damn close. And I know there are people who say that you don't have to work any step perfectly. Step five is one that you can do pretty well with because it's just a matter of willingness and honesty and, you know, being able to get on the phone and or get with your sponsor and, and say what you need to say. I... Um, I think that the the truth is something that was flexible. Well, it's not even. I think I know that the truth was flexible to me, um, and it's it's changed the longer I'm sober. You know, what was what was not what was honesty to me a year ago was not honesty to me is not honesty to me now, and it wasn't honesty to me seven years ago um, because God reveals more and more you know, the longer I'm sober. The um the fifth step, you know, I guess if you're talking about kitchen tools is that onion peeler. You know, the fifth step is is the onion peeler, you know, in our spiritual toolbox and it's what helps shave off the skin and helps us get down to the core. And I'm not dunno, I'm nowhere near the core. I, I know that another layer came off this year and it was stinky and raw and as onions tend to be, and I don't, you know, it was, it's uncomfortable to do, but, and it's like learning all new behaviors Um, every time you do it. It's looking at a situation and saying, I'm not going to react this way, and and you're like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to react this way when this person does this, or when this happens, or when I feel this, I'm just going to react, or not react at all, I'm going to, respond with love and tolerance and then it happens and you're like shit I just reacted Um, it takes time you know and it takes practice faith is a muscle and you know learning to respond is a muscle but again you know the fifth step is where we gain our awareness and our, our strength comes from you know the fact that if you're lucky and I'm lucky Um, you know I've had sponsors and have a sponsor who shares with me that I'm not alone in my struggle you know that I am not the only person in the world who has had the urge to beat up the mother of other 15 year olds it's not bad as long as you don't do it you know and and there's no thought police you know but it's you know, better to try and ask God to direct my thoughts and actions to positive and loving things because that way I, I don't kind of go down that really negative road. The fifth step promises talk about, um, you know, we can look the world in the eye. We can be alone and at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel we are on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. That sounds like some pretty serious stuff. Let's see. Alone at perfect peace and ease. Well, I can tell you that you can't be dependent on the opinions of others, living with knee-jerk reactions, caught up in other people's business, blaming people, and dependent on, you know, your well-being, you know, is all connected to the mood swings of other people, like, and feeling alone in a perfect peace and ease. Those things are not mutually compatible you know, so, but I don't think it's a, I think it's a gradient, you know, I think there's a scale, I don't think that you're either one or the other, I think the more, you know, at peace you are, you know, the less those things are in your life, and I think that because I'm human, and you're human, because I hate to speak about you, like I'm not part of you, so I'm just going to talk about me, the more I am at peace, It's because I'm focusing on, you know, keeping my dependency on God, keeping my focus on what I can bring to life and to other people and how I can be of service and how I'm using that 10-second delay, how I'm remembering that it's not about me, whatever it is. You know, the lady that cuts me off in the parking lot, you know, Whatever snit my kid is in because she's 15 and has no control over her hormones, you know, whatever's going on with whoever, it's not normally about me. And if it is about me, and they'll tell me, and if they're not going to tell me, then that's their resentment and not mine, as long as I know I didn't do anything wrong. And if I can do all that stuff right all in the same day, I am alone and in perfect peace and at ease. Do I do all that stuff, right, all in the same day, every day? No, not usually. Some days, though, I can do that, and that's amazing. That is an amazing gift. And that is when I fall over on my own feet. That is when I am, you know, when I feel the nearness of my creator, and that is when I'm walking, you know, on that broad highway, and I just am feeling that. That rush that like it that it's so great to be alive and, and and that energy just flowing through me from the tops of my head to the tip of my toes, and it is such an amazing feeling, you know, and to the extent that I have done this step thoroughly, that I continue to use inventory properly, that I'm honest, that I get God involved with the things that I can't do on my own. You know, there are people that I am always going to react to. They are hardwired into my life. I call them mommy and daddy and sister and husband and daughter, boss, you know, ex-husband. There's there's people that are hardwired in our lives that we're going to react to whether we want to or not. And, you know, the truth is that, you know, that what keeps me if this is React and this is Respond, what keeps me moving on this continuum is getting God involved. You know, it's being of service to you. It's being, you know, it's praying for them even when I would rather not. And they're laughing at me again because they know me. And and that is, you know, and that's the gift of the fifth step. The, the, what the fifth step shows me is all my weaknesses. It shows me... It's like when you go to the doctor and you get your blood work done and they say, well, you know, you got to work on your cholesterol and your triglycerides and it's time to start eating oatmeal and maybe lay off the big backs. And you say, oh, okay. And you can do it or you cannot do it, you know. You can take these things and you can do something about it or you can live in it and be miserable. And if you live in it and be miserable and you're an alcoholic, chances are... You will slide back down five, four, three, two, one. Drink, or if you choose something to do about, to do to do something about it, you will take it to six, and you will take it to seven. You will make your amends, and you will have a spiritual experience as a result of this program. But for me, especially these last couple times that I've used inventory rightly, not as a way to vilify other people which i did use it for in the beginning which is not appropriate but you know god did what he did in my life i had whatever experience i had and i'm standing here sober today so it is what it is um you know you can have the same experience it's, it's a matter of you know you know, it, they say that six is the stuff that separates the men from the boys, but I think five is really the jumping-off point for alcoholics in a lot of ways. If you can get to five and be honest and do it with your whole heart, you know, jump in and just do it. From there, you know, it's talk about being amazed before you're halfway through. There is so much freedom that comes from this step. There is so much bliss. And as a sponsor, you know, who's heard Fifth Steps, I always say, okay, what's the one you don't want to do? Tell me the one you don't want to talk about. Let's start with that one. And for every sponsee who's ever started with that thing, um, amazing, joyous things have happened. You know, changes that you see right before your eyes. People who literally, like, I have goosebumps. I'm thinking about the last time I did that and and this this woman like literally like I mean sparks were practically coming out of her. It was it was pretty crazy. And and she's a completely different person now because of it because the one thing that she really despised the most about herself was most ashamed of, she let go of. And you know, I didn't point and laugh and I didn't say, Oh my God and because we've all, you know, been on the other side of that one thing we didn't want to say and and it turns out that, you know, it's much harder to admit to yourself and to God and another person. And and it's saying it out loud that is, you know, it's really you close your eyes and you're only talking to yourself. And um, you know, that I'm I'm blown away by the power of what this step gives you and the power of, you know, that feeling that the drink problem has disappeared. You know, for me, having the drink problem disappear was like, that was amazing. But later on, you know, like year one, year two, the drink problem disappeared. But in year five, having the, the mm, how do you explain it? The I can't live in my own skin because I'm co totally consumed with what other people think about me all the time. Like that problem disappear that there's no words for that. You know, people stop drinking a thousand times in their lives. To stop to have the thinking problem disappear. To have the put your head on your pillow and not have any noise at night, that problem disappear? Oh, my God, that is like, there's no, there's I can't even say it's like the stupid MasterCard commercial. It's priceless. You know, and I can't remember the last time I put my head on my pillow and it wouldn't shut up. It, it's it's it really, it's a gift. Even when I'm really worried and I'm really upset, you know, I talk to my sponsor. I talk to my network. I talk to God. I write it out. And I I let it go, you know, because I know the limit of my power and I know that there's only so much I can respond to and the the rest I have to leave. And I was taught that in this step, you know, I was taught that in this step, that my problem is always going to be fear and that the way that I make it worse is by the stuff that I do. So if I don't do the stuff, I'm not going to make it worse. And it seems so simple and logical, like a five-year-old could figure it out. Like, don't put your hand on the stove. Don't stick your finger in the electrical outlet. You know, but till I was 31, 32 years old, I was walking around, burn, burn, every time. I couldn't figure out how to stop screwing my own life up. Even sober, I couldn't stop screwing my life up. Like, not drinking, working the steps out of the big book couldn't stop screwing my life up because I didn't know how to stop reacting to you and needing you to make me okay. And now I don't – I mean, I love you all. Really, I love everyone in AA. I'm so grateful that you're all here, and I'm so blessed to be a part of this fellowship and to have found this solution. But, you know, if you don't like me, that's cool. You know, it's all right because I like me, and – You know, I might even love me at some point, but I like me, and the fact that I like me is only because I've done this work. And this work has taught me that I don't need anyone else to like me. God loves me. I'm perfect the way that I am. And, you know, I can't connect myself emotionally to everybody else. You know, my job is to bring the best I can to you, and be what I can for you and not worry about what you're doing for me. And that way, I'm not a slave to whatever kind of crappy day you're having or if you got up on the wrong side of the bed or if you didn't have your coffee or whatever. Um, I think that the promise, it says here on this lovely guide that that Karen sent me because she's my grand sponsor. It says the promise here is that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. Did you ever feel like you just couldn't get out of your own way? Like, I don't know, for two-thirds of my life, I felt like I couldn't get out of my own way. I just wanted to change. I didn't even know what I wanted to change into. I remember saying that, like, every couple of years, I'd be like, I need to change. I need to, ch- not, I, not I need to change. I need a change. I didn't really know what I needed a change of. Like, hair color fashion sense like i don't know what i needed to change i wanted to change because i kept i don't know why because I, I i couldn't get out of my own way and and when i made that analogy about you know backing into my life it's because i literally you know would paint myself into corners and i couldn't get out of my own way and um i didn't know but the thing that i couldn't get out of my own way could, couldn't get out of the way of was my self-pity, my professional victim status. If they made, like, a wrestling, like a a boxing belt for, like, victim champion of the world, I think I would have one, or would have had one at some point. And um, uselessness, you know? Like, I was, at the end, and and early in, in my sobriety, um... Just, I, I, it's not even that I couldn't be of use to myself. I, I, I had a child, I remember, this was really, this is very poignant for me. I had a three-year-old daughter. I have the same daughter now. She's 15, obviously. But my daughter was three when I came in, and I remember whining to my sponsor on the phone how I just, I couldn't deal with her. She was just, I needed to go to meetings, and she needed too much attention, and You know, and I'm like, oh, God, you know, I just, I don't know what to do, and she's so needy, and so uh, she said to me, because she was wise, you know, a young Jedi in the ways of the big book she was, and she said, you have a built-in way of getting out of yourself. That's such a gift in early sobriety. And I remember looking at the phone and being like, what the heck? is she talking about i didn't I didn't get it, and I really it took me like two years to figure out what she meant and and that's how, in my way, I was that I didn't understand the idea that if I focused on you know my beautiful little child that I could stop thinking about me for a hot second and maybe get some relief um And I felt useless because I was useless to her and I was useless to myself. I was useless to everyone. I couldn't keep a job. I couldn't hold a conversation unless it was about me. Um, I don't know what that's about, the laughing. makes me nervous. Oh, okay. Either that or they're saying it's still true, one or the other. Anyway... um, I really, you know, we're, we're getting to the, the last five minutes and, and I'm not sure that anything that this has been an appropriate big book workshop talk on step five because it's my very first one. I'm getting some nods from my fans over there. So that's good. Um, I uh, I have to say, though, that for me, the feeling of uselessness and self-pity has disappeared on the days when I am on the responding side of the scale. If I stay away from being dependent on what you think of me, if I use the 10-second delay before I open my mouth, I love save draft on email. Thank God for save as draft on email, right? It's kept me out of a lot of trouble. Restraint of pen and tongue and computer, very good. If I don't, you know, it's so funny. People are like, so what's going on? Like I have friends that have moved away from the area that I live in in the meeting. I go to a meeting where a lot of younger people go to my home group, and there's all this stuff that goes on, and I have no idea what any of it is because I don't care. I'm not in anybody's business, and everyone's like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. I just go to the meeting, and I go home. I like it because they stay on the topic, I do a lot of service. That's <laughs> my meeting that's that's why I go. I don't really know what's going on with all the social stuff and And I used to know everything about everything and I was like the clearing house for gossip and Now I don't have any gossip. It's a little boring, but it's better than you know being in everybody's business and then having the opportunity to make amends to lots and lots of people. Um, And I really, you know, I I, I pray every day to stay, you know, on the side of reacting, on the side of responding, you know, that I I respond. I really have added that to my prayers in the last couple months, that, you know, please let me think and respond and not feel and react. Because sometimes my feelings... um, in, involve punching people. And I took up kickboxing about eight months ago. I'm not, like, great at it, but I'm good enough that I could probably hurt someone. And and sometimes my feelings are, like, intense. My initial reactions are still the same alcoholic that, you know, came in here 11 and a half years ago, and I could probably, you know, I hear you say something, and my initial reaction is, you know, I feel fear, I feel... Judged, It's probably because I'm judging you. And I want to, you know, backhand you and give you a good kidney punch. And, you know, it's good that I don't do that, you know, And because I, I get God involved every single day. Um, on the days that I'm over on the responding side, I really do feel from head to toe that God is with me. I do really feel free. And I do really feel that the only way that I get to keep that is if I use the fifth step the way that it's meant to be used, not just admitting it to myself, not just admitting it to God, because I was told very early, in one of my early recoveries, I think it was early recovery before this last one, the the second to last early recovery, I was told that it is very difficult for an alcoholic to be honest by themselves. It helps to have someone to tell it to. So for me to admit to God, to myself, and to another human being, the exact nature, not the kind of nature, not the, I kind of said something stupid to my whoever, or I did something slightly dishonest, but the exact nature of my wrong, um, it is such a relief, and, and it's like pulling off a Band-Aid, and if, if I just do it, um, the benefit far outweighs the you know minor discomfort and it's like a muscle, you know, if I use it regularly it's it gets strong and it becomes a habit, just like all the other disciplines that I was taught in AA. You know? It's um I don't know, it's one of my greatest gifts. I I, I call my sponsor and say some pretty outlandish stuff, but I say it. I wanna live. I wanna and I don't just wanna live and not drink and be one of those really miserable cranky people. I want to live and I want to be free and I want to feel the nearness of my Creator so that I get that tingly feeling like and the hairs on the top of my head stand up like they are right now and and I feel chills you know because I know that God is near me or with me or in me because I'm not reacting to my fear and I'm living in the sunlight of the Spirit so I hope that, you know, there was something to be gained by everything I've said for all of you. And I thank you for giving me the opportunity to um, share my Step 5 experience with you. And um, I guess that's all I've got to share.